This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Swinburne Astronomy Online, the world's longest-running online astronomy degree program. Visit astronomy.swin.edu.au for more information. Astronomy Cast, episode 395, Baryons and Beyond the Standard Model. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. With me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a professor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Great. Um, I got, I've got nothing, no announcements, nothing to tell people or ask people. Do you have anything? I I would remind people, especially since it is Cyber Monday, if you're watching live to go to astrogear.spreadshirt.com and check out our cool shirts, hoodies, mugs, all of these random things that you can use to inflict sciencey things upon people. My favorite is our series the other former planet shirt because i'm team series and you have worn that many times even on the show i have have. we also have a pluto shirt explore classic pluto classic pluto not that newfangled pluto well Uh, it's pluto planet classic sort of like coke classic just pluto planet classic all right uh show now sure Today's episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. And I know we've mentioned Casper a few times in the past. They are kind of an amazing new mattress company where uh, instead of going to a showroom, they ship you the mattress through the mail in this crazy box. It's all just sort of like really squished in and then you open it up and the thing kind of expands. And it's this great sort of hybrid foam mattress. Uh, It's got this latex foam and then also this memory foam, the two work together as this mattress. Now, I own, the story is like, they sent Pamela and myself uh, sample mattresses. I had to have mine sent to the States at the time. So I put my girlfriend, now wife, um, in, in the States. And I really love the mattress, but we had to leave it there when my wife moved to Canada. So I bought a second one for, uh, for our bed. Uh, so I got my own with my own dime, uh, and then I got another one uh, for the spare bedroom because we needed another mattress in there. So I now have had three Casper mattresses uh, that I slept on, and they're great. I really like them, and I definitely stand behind uh, behind these mattresses. So the cool thing about buying Casper mattresses, it's completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and return within a 100-day period. So that'll give you the time to find out if you like the mattress or not. And I think you uh, so it's just the right sink, just the right bounce. Uh, you know, you're really going to like it. Free risk, uh, free trial, return policy. The mattresses are made in America, which, uh, you know, is is great. So, you know, they're not coming from, from overseas. Uh, and the prices are really reasonable. So 500 for a twin size mattress, 950 for a king size mattress. And you'll find that's the same price or much cheaper than some of the mattresses you might find in the store. So to get a deal on your Casper mattress, all you have to do is go to casper.com slash astro and use the promo code astro and they'll knock $50 off the price of your mattress. Now terms and conditions apply and you can get them in Canada as well, not just the States. So once again, go to casper.com slash astro 
and use the promo code ASTRO to get $50 off of your mattress purchase. All right. Thanks, Casper. This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Eighth Light Inc. Eighth Light is an agile software development company. They craft beautiful applications that are durable and reliable. Eighth Light provides disciplined software leadership on demand and shares its expertise to make your project better. For more information, visit them online at www.eighthlight.com. Just remember, that's www.thlight.com. Drop them a note. Eighth Light. Software is their craft. Astronomy Cast is proudly sponsored by CleanCoders.com. Training videos with personality for software professionals. In the last few episodes, we've been talking about the standard model of physics, explaining what everything is made up of. But the reality is, we probably don't know a fraction of how everything is put together. This week, we're going to talk about baryons, the particles made up of quarks, famous ones of the proton and the neutron, but that's just the tip of the baryonic iceberg. And we're going to talk about where the standard model ends and what's next in particle physics. So, so we kind of glossed over baryons, and I think we realized uh, we moved straight to, to leptons and quarks but in fact we didn't spend a lot of time in baryons and i think originally you know in my very small understanding you know we had protons and we had neutrons those are your baryons but apparently now looking at the list there's a lot there are a lot and and just to review things for those trying to follow along at home because this is a crazy alphabet soup and i love your phrase just the tip of the baryonic iceberg So we have leptons, which are fundamental particles that cannot be broken up any further. And these are our electron, muon, and tau particles and their partner neutrinos, the electron neutrino, the tau neutrino, and the muon neutrino. Um, Then we have the quarks, also fundamental particles, up, down, charm, strange, top, bottom. And... These combined are called fermions, and fermions are things that have a multiple of spin one-half. So they have a spin of a half, three halves, five halves, spin half is the key. And because of that, they follow the Pauli exclusion principle, and you can't have two things with the same spin in the same energy level. So, for instance, in an atom, you will have a spin up and a spin down sharing an energy level. Okay, so that's the fermions. Mm -hmm. Then we have the bosons. These are the things that uh, carry force, give us mass. Uh, So we have the photon, which is tied to the electromagnetic force. We have the W minus, the W plus, and the Z boson, also called the Z zero boson. And these are what handle the weak force. We also have the gluon, which is the strong force, and the Higgs boson, which gives us mass. Okay, so those are all the fundamental particles. Everything else is a non-fundamental particle. So everything else has to get built out of these fundamental particles. And the one of the things that gets built is baryon. Exactly. So things that are made of quarks are called hadrons and hadrons are generally 
grouped into how many quarks make up the thing in the hadron. So we have mesons, which are combinations of, of two quarks. We don't deal with those in real life generally. And then we have the baryons. Baryons are what we deal with all the time. You and I are pretty much baryonic matter. Right. We are made of baryons. We are made of baryons. This is an awesome thing. We are fermions and we are baryons. And those baryons that make up us are made out of three quarks. In fact, they are made up of the ever so boring up and down quark. And these are what are called the protons and the neutrons. And and so what is the sort of the major difference between the proton and the neutron? I mean, we know that it's the, you know, neutrons have a neutral uh, charge while protons have a positive charge. Are there any other differences? So the the proton is an up, up, down. The neutron is an up, down, down. And and yeah, they're basically very close to the exact same mass. The biggest difference is, as far as we know, protons are annoyingly stable. Now, I say annoyingly stable because a lot of theoretical physics would like these suckers to decay. It just makes the physics actually work. Um, But as near as we can tell, they are utterly rock solid, not changing their identity, stable. The neutrons, on the other hand, when they're not bound up inside of a nucleus of an atom, um, they like to decay rather quickly in about 100 seconds or so. What do they decay into? (laughs) They actually decay into a, a... uh, a proton, a electron, and a uh, electron neutrino. Okay, okay. And I guess that's, you know, when we talk about neutron stars, which are this degenerate matter, right? This is where you've you've taken, you've artificially taken all the protons and all the electrons and you've mashed them together into neutrons, right? And I guess right. it's just the opposite way. And And this is where you end up with protons and neutrons being close to the same mass, but not the exact same mass. So that difference in mass is how you get both a proton and an electron out when you let the neutron sitting on your shelf decay. Right, right. Um, And as you said, they do adhere to the Pauli exclusion principle, right? So you can't put two protons, neutrons, et cetera, into the same. No, 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 they they don't. It's the electrons that are spin half. Right. and, And our Pauli exclusion principle the the way these work because quarks they they're also spin half but they combine and and it just works out that you end up with spin zero if i'm reading the chart i'm looking at correctly anyways they don't obey the poly exclusion principle they're good now we've got a lot of building blocks we've got all you know the six different kinds of quarks that we know about and yet the you know the the two major kinds of, of baryonic matter in the universe, right? With the proton, with the up, up, down, and with the neutron, with the up, down, down. But with all those other combinations, there must be a lot of other baryonic matter out there. So what else is out there? Well, it, it they go on forever, it feels like. so. So if you think about it, we have these six different quarks, and then we're looking to combine them in combinations of three. And so 
that is one heck of a recombinatorics problem. And what's kind of awesome and disturbing at the same time is people have gone through and named pretty much all of the combinations. And this means that we end up with really funky names. So if you combine a down quark, a charm quark, and a bottom quark, because you can, um, you end up with what they call a charmed bottom. Right. And that that's do we have just, to put explicit language on this episode now? Oh, anyway, I, that's its actual yeah. scientific name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have the double charmed omega particle, uh, which is a strange charm charm. It's just sort of like at a certain point, they just decide to start amusing themselves while naming these things. But the thing is all of these things decay and and some of them actually haven't even been observed so for instance we've named the charmed bottom but it's never been observed we don't know what its decay route is we don't know if it does exist how long it exists for but that's what we're looking at right like now, how many times can you how many different ways can you take strange charm down uh up uh down charm right you just keep putting those combinations together and you're going to come up with new particles and you can work out the math i guess you can work out what the spin is going to need to be what the charge is going to be but but it's not you don't know whether this can even exist exactly and and what's cool though is we can work out so much about it so for instance we refer to a Baryons in general is falling into two different families. There's um, the the momentum, angular momentum half baryons. This gets into crazy quantum mechanics stuff that you really need two years of quantum mechanics to understand. I'm not going to torture you that much. Suffice to say, angular momentum half and angular momentum three half baryons. And all of the three half ones, all of them are unstable. So so we have these two different families of particles, but we've detected things in both families. So, for instance, uh, a delta particle, which is made up of three different ups, because why not combine three things going up? That sounds kind of positive on a Monday afternoon. Um, we know it has a rest mass of one, two, three, two mega electron volts. We know it decays into a proton and a pion, and we know how long it lasts, which is way less than a second. But what's cool is, is we have, by slamming things together in particle accelerators to generate vast amounts of energy in a very small place, we've been able to create circumstances that allow that energy to rain out into all of these different unstable particles that we can then study so we have the ability on the math side to go through and say, okay, we've got six different things that we can combine together in all of these crazy different awesome ways. Um, there's a triple charmed omega particle, for instance. That is a kind of awesome idea. There's also a charmed double bottom omega particle, just if you want to get weird. But with all of these combinations, though, right, like, mm -hmm. like these don't occur naturally in the universe, so, so there's a difference between something not occurring naturally and not being stable. All of these things probably exist in the universe for fractions of a second. When in, I say in fraction, a supernova. 
in a supernova, in a collision between two cosmic rays. So you can imagine a situation where you have a high energy event that isn't a supernova. So perhaps a coronal mass ejection lets off a cosmic ray and it's zipping its way through the universe and it just happens to collide with another particle zipping its way through the universe and they combine for that fraction of a moment to for 10 to the minus 23rd 24th of a second create a sigma particle a charmed sigma particle whatever it might be that falls out of that energy right and with way more energy than the large hadron collider could ever produce and and that's the wild thing is we're working to catch up with the universe. The universe just does this because it has really big naturally occurring magnetic fields. We have to do really bad things to the power grid to create these really big magnetic fields. And so as you and so, you know, this is one of the great things about the Large Hadron Collider. You know, everyone's afraid that the LHC is going to destroy the planet, but no. the reality is is that it, you know, it generates energies that are vastly at many orders of magnitude less than the universe does all the time exactly um so and so we talk about you know okay so maybe these particles are being generated in fact vast amounts they're being and they are all decaying and so the trick is that nothing else is stable in the way that protons and you know neutrons arguably are yes and and so this is where we live in a reality where yeah, we, we occasionally do experience muons in detectors because uh, they rain out of the upper atmosphere. But most of our day-to-day interactions are protons, neutrons, electrons, and and that's about it. Hmm. Up and down. That's all we've got, up and down quarks. Right. Um, okay, so so sort of the second part of this, this show is we want to talk a bit about where are the gaps where are the holes and what and what comes next so so let's do, do this in two ways one is what are some things that we know about that we don't know how they fit into the into the model the the biggest one which which is kind of ridiculous to admit to the biggest one is actually gravity i uh, we we talk about there being a graviton boson maybe sort of we don't know uh, but as near as anyone can calculate gravity just doesn't fit in at the quantum mechanics level so so there's that big problem mm-hmm. um, looking beyond that big problem uh, we don't know how to explain dark matter and dark energy and the one thing we do know about dark matter is it's some sort of non-baryonic particle. So it's something that must be stable uh, or at least is constantly regenerating that doesn't interact via the electromagnetic force in a way that we know how to deal with. So So could one possibility be then that maybe there is some other stable form of some other stable baryon? that was maybe generated during the big bang or is still being generated by all of these cosmic rays, you know, bumping into each other. And this is somehow producing some particle that at a higher level of energy than we can create in the lab that has these properties. Well, the, the issue seems to be that quarks are quite happy to interact via the electromagnetic force. So since we know that dark matter 
is not interacting via the electromagnetic force. This this is where it doesn't deal with light as light passes through the universe except to bend it. It doesn't interact in any of the normal ways that other stuff does. That means that since baryons are made up of quarks and they interact via the electromagnetic force, we're looking for something that isn't a baryon. And so we're looking for something outside of all of these awesomely named quark-made particles. So right now then, where do particle physicists think dark matter exists on, you know, com- compared to the standard model? Like which group would it probably be in? It's, it's not. That's the thing. No it's, group. It's, it's not a outside. lepton. It's not a hadron. It's, it's, it's not outside. A, it's outside. Yeah, it's a non-baryonic particle. But is the thought okay? So then, so then, what? I mean, I understand that it's outside, but you know, they've physicists, particle physicists have done plenty of math and done plenty of predictions about about what dark matter particles could be, and they're going to try and create them, and you know, with things like the LHC. So, what kind of characteristics are they looking for? I mean, give us something. So, so we're currently at a stage where it's hard to say that folks are doing much more than looking at the universe, putting constraints based on what we're observing, on what we expect to find, and kind of hoping that things that fall out of theories like supersymmetry, which we'll get to, um, explain what we're observing. So we know that there is a very small cross-sectional radius for collisions between dark matter particles. We see this from looking at how clouds of dark matter pass through one another when superclusters interact. We know that it doesn't interact with the electromagnetic force. We know it does interact with gravity. That's kind of where we're at, and different people are going down different rabbit holes trying to find a rabbit to pull out and call dark matter. So we have some folks that are going down loopy gravity, some people that are going down string theory, some people that are going down supersymmetry, and string theory actually can go down wherever it wants and call itself supersymmetry, or call itself string theory, rather. Right. Um, so, so we don't know. We have a word, non-baryonic dark matter, and that's a good word. And that's... That's as firm as our observational understanding really lets us stand right now. So if you were able to generate it in the Large Hadron Collider, how would you know that you found it? How would you know that those are the characteristics of dark matter? Well, what we're looking for as we crank up the Large Hadron Collider and prepare to crank up the uh, cyclotron uh, Fermi at Fermilab um, what we're looking for are significantly more massive particles than we've found so far and different kinds of, of things in supersymmetry are starting to get predicted that have these higher masses and don't interact maybe, but I mean, honestly, we're sort of grasping at straws saying we need a weakly interacting massive particle. Let's see if we can get 
a massive particle that weakly interacts to fall out of the collisions. Okay, so that's one, which is dark matter. And now dark energy, I guess, is another one. Maybe particles appearing, but maybe it's just space itself, right? Right. So, so dark energy has no explanation. We don't know where the explanation is going to fall out of. Uh, what we do know is attempts to explain dark energy using vacuum energy, which is is that flux of particles coming in and out of reality because there's just this background energy that they can use to temporarily exist. Um, when we start looking for leftover energy from things popping in and out of existence, all attempts to use that leftover to explain dark energy is off by like 120 orders of magnitude. So that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other things that leave us perplexed. Like standard model physics doesn't require the neutrino to have mass. And the problem is we know from a variety of different experiments that neutrinos that are formed with one identity, formed as an electron neutrino, for instance, can transmute into a different type of neutrino, like a tau neutrino or a muon neutrino. And this ability to flip identities requires the neutrino to have mass that can go into that identity flip. So that's not explained. And then there's just the whole fact that why do we have so much matter and so little antimatter in the universe? That doesn't fall naturally out of anything. Okay. Uh, And you've made a couple of references now to supersymmetry. So we actually did an episode on supersymmetry uh, quite a few hundred episodes ago. But can you give (laughs) sort of us the, the short version of what supersymmetry is? So, so the, the short version is that there is an entire mirror set of generations of particles. So when we talk about the particles that we normally deal with falling into three generations, the generation that corresponds to the electron proton up and down uh, and, and so on on through going from the lightest and most stable to the heaviest. Right. I remember that we, you know, that was a couple of episodes ago. We talked about those three generations. So take those exact same three generations, flip them over and call them the supersymmetric particles. And, and so there, the, these are essentially super partner particles. So we have, um, for the photon, we have the photino. For the gluon, the gluino. For the leptons, we have the sleptons. For the neutrinos, we have the snu- s neutrinos. I don't know how right. you, you say put an s, s in front n. of everything. Exactly. Right. I know. For like instead of like the top quark, you get the stop quark. Yeah, and right. and so the the idea is that all of these partner protons and neutrons and every or I guess photons and bosons all of these partner things they're there to basically balance everything out and they have different masses and these different masses start to crop up 
as explaining what dark matter is and helping to allow to fix the problems with vacuum energy. Um, maybe we don't know. And, and that's where it all gets highly, highly confusing. And so if true, the, these particles are going to have incredibly high masses compared to, to the regular masses of the, of the partner particles, right? So the, exactly. and so there's just, there's so much, such, you know, there are limits to what even the most powerful collider possible, you know, the, the Large Hadron Collider so far on what kinds of particles it can actually generate. And so these these particles might just be beyond what it can create. It, exactly. And and it's it's hope that the top quark top quarks sister particle. The stop, stop quarks, yeah. Um is is actually the lowest mass of these and is something that's potentially within reach. So we're trying to find that. So, and if I understand sure. the the recently upgraded Large Hadron Collider can just reach the stop quark, and and that's the hope. Yeah. So so we're looking, um, we're looking, and it it's tricky. So they do have differences. So for instance, the S fermion. They're spin zero particles, so they're going to behave without that Pauli exclusion principle. They're just going to act differently. And we're hoping that the way they act differently allows them to explain dark matter, and we're hoping that the predicted energies, at least for the stop quark, is is in reality as low as it's theorized to be and is thus observable. Now, if it's not, that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with the universe it just means uh we get to keep looking and particle physicists still have a job and there's no nobel prize on the imminent future but hey maybe there's funding for bigger and bigger accelerators does supersymmetry i mean one of its things is that it will help unify gravity into the standard model right it it tries to i i wouldn't say it succeeds but it works towards that. We actually don't have any theories that are fully successful at unifying quantum mechanics and relativity. Wow. It's yeah. kind of amazing. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty... I mean, you think about the future people and they'll be able to look back, hopefully, if this ever gets figured out, right? And they'll be like, look at those people. that, that Back then, they didn't know that here's how you unify gravity and, and the standard model. But, but that's really an internal prejudice. It's, it's the human desire for there to be one underlying cause that explains everything. One of the things that people find extremely dissatisfying about the standard model is I think it has 19 finely tuned uh, constants in order to work. And people don't want a universe that's filled with constants. They don't want a fine-tuned universe. They want a plop down these laws of physics and it just goes right and and it could be there's gravity a, doesn't unify there's a great game there's a game coming out that i want to get called no man's sky i don't know if you heard about this no. but in in the game the whole universe is procedurally generated and so no matter where you go the every part of the universe has been figured out sort of just in advance by the math 
And, and it's the same thing. They pick these very specific, you know, they picked a seed that then produce everything. And if they, if they pick a different seed in their, in their math, that it creates something different. And this is sort of this idea that, you know, that our universe exists the way that it does just because all of these variables ended up the way they are, all these constants, right? And that if they'd end up a different way, then gravity wouldn't work properly. And, you know, and so you can have all kinds of malformed universes from our perspective, but this is the one that was just barely suitable for, for life. And and that gets back to the ideas of multiverses, which I think we did an episode yep. on, episode on, and and so there's really nothing wrong with gravity not unifying. It's just uncomfortable, and sometimes we just need to be a little bit uncomfortable. I need my whole universe to fit on a t-shirt. That's it's got to <laughs> it's got to happen. A uh, very small font is fine, but you know I still need to have the theory of everything on my t-shirt. Okay, cool. Well, thanks a lot, Pamela. We're gonna sure. we're gonna go in a different direction next week. We really are. Next <laughs> week we're gonna talk about happy books and all of the nerd stuff that you yeah. can get in this season will, of giving. We will recommend our favorite things to get people for uh for for the holidays. Whatever holiday. Yeah, whatever you holiday might be you celebrate. Yeah, exactly. Festivus. Birthdays. Yeah. My birthday is in December. <laughs> That's right. Um okay, cool. Well thanks again, Pebble. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to Astronomy Cast, a nonprofit resource provided by Astrosphere New Media Association, Fraser Kane, and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at astronomycast.com. You can email us at infoastronomycast.com. Tweet us at astronomycast. Like us on Facebook or circle us on Google. We record our show live on Google every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern or 2000 Greenwich Mean Time. If you missed the live event, you can always catch up over at CosmoQuest.org. If you enjoy Astronomy Cast, why not give us a donation? It helps us pay for bandwidth, transcripts, and show notes. Just click the donate link on the website. All donations are tax deductible for U.S. residents. You can support the show for free, too. Write a review or recommend us to your friends. Every little bit helps. Click support the show on our website to see some suggestions. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com slash podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Our music is provided by Travis Searle and the show is edited by Preston Gibson.